today I have David Moreno, partner at the law office of Spa, Spar and Bernstein, executive vice president at Shaw Sports Group, co-founder of Media Abundance. David, how you doing today, man? I'm great, Mike. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Pleasure is all mine. I'm so excited to get to talk to you about the draft, about football, about being a sports agent. Um, obviously, we've met multiple times at this point through David Meltzer, a good friend of ours, good friend of Jason's. Um, and I'm really excited to get you on the Wind Daily Show because uh, we're just trying to spread positivity. We're trying to spread how others in the sports industry go about their days. And obviously, there's some weird stuff going on in the world right now. Um, many people aren't quite as busy as you, so I guess I, I'm thankful for your time, but excited <laughs> to ask you some questions. So the first question I have for everybody on the Wind Daily Show is, how do you make sure you're winning each and every day? Absolutely. Uh, I think it all starts with getting a good night rest the day before. Um, as we, we alluded to briefly, a uh, good friend of ours, Dave Meltzer in common, uh, one thing that he really studies is, is sleep. Um, we spend you know so much of our time sleeping. It's important to prioritize getting a good night's sleep. And then, and then for me, it, it falls right back into the very next thing is when I wake up, uh, how can I fill the white spaces in my calendar? How can I be more productive? Because uh, I do have a number of different entities and uh, priorities uh, and responsibilities uh, to both individuals uh, personally and professionally. So I want to make sure I'm always available. Uh, that's my, prior my main priority is to be available for folks that need me. I think that's what makes a difference uh, professionally and personally. I love that, man. And that's always very important. And it's, you're the first person to answer that question by starting at the day before. So I appreciate that. I 100% agree. <laughs> Getting a good night's sleep is, is very important. Um, and, you know, making sure you maintain that sleep schedule, as you said. Uh, you know, David preaches that to you. He preaches it to me. He preaches it to everybody. So I always think it's interesting. And, um, you know, I kind of know the answer to this question, but I always want to ask it kind of a leading question anyway. With the understanding of trying to fill the white spaces in your calendar, and always being accessible. How do those two things go hand in hand to make sure that if you are filling the space, how can you then be accessible if you're trying to do something? Yeah, uh, I think it, it starts with uh, check in before people check in with you, right? That way you're more in control of the communication. Um, it, if I know I need to speak to 10 people in a day rather than wait for them to call me when I'm actually prioritizing something else, I'll just kick off the day with either a quick text to all of them, hey, what time are you free to speak? So I can put that actually in my calendar. I find that when I plan things, it's easier to manage A, expectations, and B, productivity, or I'll just kick off the day and call them right away. Um, so that's how, how, how I usually do it. I love it. Manage the expectations, manage the communication, always be on top of it. This is incredible, man. And so uh, did you always want to be a sports agent? <laughs> that's uh -oh. an interesting story. Uh, most, most, uh, huh. This is tough. Most kids, uh, you know, that play sports, uh, once they realize that, you know, 2% of folks go pro, they want to figure out how they can stay around sports. Uh, that was not the case here. Uh, I played college basketball. I was, uh, I was pretty decent. It's pretty good. Uh, I went to law school uh, kind of on an athlete burnout. I was just over the game of basketball. I, I dabbled with trying to be a uh, fifth year senior, uh, senior with the uh, University of Miami football team while in law school. Um, but I really, you know, was so gun ho on uh, criminal justice reform and systemic discrimination and, and trying to make my stamp on the world in that way. Uh, it just happened that once I graduated law school, I took a job at the, the Manhattan DA's office, which is the most prestigious pro prosecutor's office in the, in the country, probably in the world. Um, and by doing that, by doing the right thing, by, you know, by people, by still being connected to, you know, athletes as friends and in my social circles, growing up in New York, playing basketball at a high level, 
uh, and then being an attorney that folks uh, became to know, love, and trust. Um, naturally, just like my banker and real estate friends, my athlete friends started to rely on me for things and would ask, hey, can you put a set of eyes on this? And you know, always just saying yes, right, um, when I can. Uh, that's how it started. And it, it wasn't until I, I got pretty deep down that road on a legal side, um, doing arbitrations for, for, for professional athletes, um, you know, handling smaller contract matters for some of them, that they were like, man, you do so much more for me uh, than my actual agent does. And that's not to cast aspersions on, on any, any actual agent. But I do think, you know, those with actual legal experience come with such a wealth of knowledge not those that are lawyers that just have jds and become agents those have actually practiced uh come with such a different perspective and i came from a world where i left the da's office i started doing criminal defense and i was representing you know a lot of times young kids that were facing you know life in jail or mm -hmm. 25 years in jail uh i just felt like for me it was a little bit of burnout from you know quote unquote fighting a good fight uh, and I you guys can hear the thunder. It's thundering here. Yeah, thundering <laughs> uh, by me. I didn't catch it though. So hopefully, yeah. Oh, there's mine. All right, we're good. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of burnout from that side. And I was like, look, if I can work with the same age group of, of young people that have so much positivity flowing through them uh, and going forward, uh, I think it's time to make that jump to channel these skills that I learned, you know, really defending folks uh, from something really nefarious to helping to do more positive with that. So, uh, it was through just relationships, kind of being at the right place at the right time, and it happened naturally and organically, which for me, I think the universe put me back to where I, you know, I was supposed to be, because I grew up loving sports so much, you know, uh, checking, you know, the stats every day as, you know, a 10th grader, even as a grown man in my 20s, I could probably tell you what the 12th man in the Nets was averaging, you know, um, still had a passion for it, but not necessarily wanted to do it professionally uh, until it, it came about naturally. Mm. That is a really interesting way of going about it too, especially, I mean, understanding that, you know, as you said, the universe puts you back into it, but the only way you could have done what you were capable of doing when you were just helping out your friends was to go this route, right? It's not like you, you had to go this route to get the legal expertise as you have and you've, you've been able to do, and then you're able to take all that information, wisdom and experience and be able to impart it onto others, um, you know, let it come through you to others so that way they can utilize that help and that's kind of you know as you said you know when people kept telling you hey man you're doing a lot more for me than my agent is you know what, what how can we work something out i think it's really cool that you were then able to kind of see that because a lot of people would say you know i'm kind of doing well over here i don't need to do that mm -hmm. uh, and continue to move forward with it so what is what is that grind of a lawyer and an agent like i know they're kind of they're 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 cousins let's call them right as you said you kind of have to be a little verse in, in one to be verse in the other like what is that daily grind like and and you know as you said waking up how, how many white how many white spaces are actually on your calendar when you do wake up in a, in yeah. a normal world let's call it and in a normal world uh meaning a, a pre-covid <laughs> post-covid world after we get out of this um they're not many especially when my, my law practice is in, in full swing and you know i still i still go to trial i still have cases uh you know, my firm is very active. It's a priority of, of mine. Um, with the sports calendar, it's ebbs and flows. Uh, there are times when it's extremely busy, uh, but there are also times where it's down. Uh, for me, one thing I, I do when I look towards um, taking it from a sports perspective and from a legal perspective, I want to make sure every client on the legal side and every client on the sports side, you know, feels like they're a priority. So it's really important to have constant communication with them. And then the second thing, and probably the most important thing, is to always be learning. 
Uh, early on in my legal career, I realized that, and to much to my mom's dismay, uh, she said, you, you're going to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. For me, that worked, right? And I don't want to say I'm a master of none, but even on my legal career early on, I challenged myself to step outside my comfort zone. So when I started off in the law firm doing criminal defense, I then started the sports and entertainment group, right? From, from my natural experiences, kind of self-taught. Then I started the corporate business group, right? So I, I took all these things on and it's the same thing in my sports practice. I'm just not limited to, you know, contract negotiations or, you know, sending the marketing out to some third party. I figured out to either be in control of every single aspect or have the resources available to me, whether through personal relationships or through text and context to learn to make sure things get done at a high level, but everything flows through me and out from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know this is a long-winded answer to your question. Not many white spaces because uh, I'm needed by a lot of folks, but uh, I've been trying to prioritize everybody and treat everybody like they're, they're the most important person. Cause I, that's how I've always looked at both things, whether you have a, you know, driving while intoxicated, you know, criminal matter, or you have some complicated white collar crime. If you're an undrafted free agent or a potential first round pick, if you call Dave, he's going to answer. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. You got to be accessible. We know that one. That's a, that's, that's, well, that's one of the first rules of the game, you know, always be accessible. Yeah, as you said. And, and I love how you said it before, you know, you, you re, if you know, you have to talk to somebody, just reach out to them first. Don't wait for them to talk to you while it's, you know, in one of those um, not so empty spaces in the calendar. So I think it's, you know, it's very interesting kind of how you go about it and what you do and understanding that there is an expertise level that's needed from you from all of these places. And you have, you know, you might not call yourself not a master of um, any of them, but at the same time, you're clearly doing your best and you're obviously achieving at a very high level. So if you won't do it, David, let me do it. I believe you're a master at all of it. So, (laughs) um, So with that, I mean, what was it like, you know, as you kind of gave us the reason why you started the sports group and, and, you know, working with these athletes, what were those, what was it like getting those first few clients? And, and again, kind of for lack of a better term, really learning a little bit on the job. Cause I'm sure again, you knew the legal side of it, but I'm sure there's an entire other side of the business that you didn't really have access to before this. Yeah. Uh, and it, this is a lesson I learned from my, my, my business partner, close friend, Dave Meltzer. I didn't want to pay the dummy tax, right? What's the dummy tax? doing the exact same thing that others before you have done wrong. And how do you learn to not pay a dummy tax by going through it? Well, for me, it was really important to uh, position myself in this business with those that have the experience and to know when, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree uh, from, you know, recruiting is a very, very unique, uh, I don't want to say animal. It's a very unique thing, right? Mm-hmm. That everybody goes about differently. There's no specific formula to be successful at recruiting. If you look at the, uh, there's no prototypical agent, you know, in terms of race, demographic, creed, et cetera, background, you know. Um, so one thing I wanted to do is to to learn as much as possible from those who have been there. So when I thought about making my foray into the industry, um, being someone that I think brings a certain level of expertise and success to, to the table, it was either for me, I was going to create my own business or partner up with someone that I knew and trusted and actually their vision aligned with what I wanted to do in this industry. Because for me, it was a priority being a former athlete to actually prioritize how I can help athletes grow both in their sport, but more importantly in business and outside of their sport, right? For me, entrepreneurship has been a big part of my life. Um, I think athletes having such a large platform, you know, being visible, being in this country where we put athletes on probably a higher pedestal than the people that are fighting cancer research, right? They have so much access. How can I 
help them maximize that to set themselves up for generational wealth. A lot of the average American thinks that, you know, professional athletes have generational wealth just by virtue of playing a sport. doesn't take into account taxes, fees, you know, uh, all the handlers and the folks that go in behind the scenes. If you manage your money correctly, you should, if you're a top of the line player. But if we're talking about some of these fringe guys, especially in NFL, when there's no guaranteed money, um, they really have to, to, to be smart and strategic as to their financial decisions. So I want to find someone that shared in that vision and want to help me create and build something that went towards that vision. So for me, early on, I partnered up with someone and it's a funny story and this is everything is just the universe, right? My partner in the sports agency, Sonny Shah, was a juror on the very first criminal trial I had when Love I was a it. prosecutor. Like, how, how, how is the universe for that, right? He was a juror in my first trial. And I remember going through jury selection as a young prosecutor. First trial, got my nerves. You're going through the questionnaire. You ask this guy what he does. He's like, I'm a sports agent. In, my, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. Like, who's really actually a sports agent, you know? Uh, so we do the trial. Nothing comes of it, of it professionally. I didn't even remember the guy's name at the time. So just being in New York City and being out, maybe about six months later, I happened to be out at an event. Uh, and it turned out to be a draft party for, I believe, Xavier Rhodes at the time was coming out of Florida State. Mm-hmm. And Sonny had Xavier and some other guys that time. And I was out at this party and we're looking at each other. I'm like, how do I know this guy? Right. I knew I saw him every day for about a week and a half on this trial, but I couldn't figure out how we knew each other. So I'm big on never missing an opportunity. Walked right up to him. I said, hey, man, I don't know how I know you, um, but I feel like I know you from somewhere. He was just as open. He's like, I feel the same way, man. Let's exchange numbers. Let's, let's figure it out. So shortly thereafter, we, we, we reconnected. Um, you know, we sat down. We spoke, figured out what the connection was. And he was like, hey, man, I really love the way you carried yourself. You know, in the courtroom, you're, you're uber impressive. We spoke about backgrounds. And we just became friends. And I had an opportunity to watch how he built his business and how he treated his clients from the lens of being, Hey, I'm this, I'm this guy's buddy as we built the friendship. And I saw that his clients were actually treated uh, like family. And it wasn't just the, the, the age old slogan, like you come here, this is a family, you know, I'm going to be there for you. I actually saw, you know, he was a godfather to his clients, kids and, and vice versa. And I was like, you know what, if I ever do this, he, he's going to be someone I'd, I'd consider doing this with. And then aligning myself, obviously with, with, with Dave, who I've known for years, who has his background with Lee Steinberg as a sounding board to say, should I do this or should I do, should I do that? So for me, it's really, really important to both have mentors that have been there and also folks that have been through the fire. And I've got folks that are, I don't compete with anybody. That's one thing that I don't do. I think that has helped me uh, mature quickly in this business. There's no one that is my competition to where if we're going after the same guy, Mike, I'm not going to say, man, I hate that guy. I'm going to disparage you to all the players. I'm going to speak to you as much as possible, not, not in any negative way, just to learn as much as I can from you, right? Because we're only as good as our competition. And mm-hmm. it's good to keep, keep your enemies, quote unquote, close. And I don't do it for that reason, because I don't truly see anybody's competition. We live in an abundant world. There are more than enough players. There, there are more than enough jobs. Um, so I think one thing for me that I've always prioritized is, you know, when I'm out at these agent conferences, I'm meeting as many people as possible. Don't look at them as competition. When I took the agent exam, Right after the exam, I hung out with about seven of the other agents, you know, and, and we, we formed a little bond. And some of the older agents that I've known for years, like, man, you're out of your mind. Why would you speak to these guys? Uh, so those are the things I think that have helped, you know, me build this and, and learn the, as much as I can, because we're all kind of going through the same thing. And I guess having a legal background coming from the learning background where we learn in, in, in group settings, you know, law school's broken up into sections. 
and you you rely on your section, right? You know, you guys study together, you grow together. So for me, I've always tried to have a network of other agents, you know, experienced agents, other lawyers, you know, uh, finance and business people that I can rely on. Because I want to always learn as much as I can. Well, that is great. I mean, learn as much as you can, provide as much value as you can to everyone that is around you and, and you know, speak to everyone and be a good human being. It's, it's always interesting to me. Um, the agency world gets a very bad rap. And, and I think that rap then kind of bleeds into the sports industry in general is, is the cutthroat nature, the backstabbing nature of what an agency is like. <laughs> and you are clearly coming at it from a completely, the literal different angle. And I think that so why, is it is the world like that? I mean, it sounds like you said, you know, with some of these older gentlemen, like they're saying, like, why would you talk to any of these people? They're your, your, you know, you even said it before, your quote unquote enemies. Like, is that is that dramatized for TV and movies, or is there a part of the world that's like that where you're just completely just throwing that aside? As you said, we live in an abundant world. There's more than enough for everybody. Yeah, um, Mike, I'd say you're one thousand percent right. This is a very very vicious, um, sometimes immature. Mm -hmm. egotistical business. Um, I've run into things uh, that have shaken my balance uh, in my value system to where I don't want to be a part of this business where, you know, mm -hmm. things that have happened to me early on in my career where you try to do everything the right way. Um, and, you know, uh, you're banging your head against the wall because either kids and their family don't see it. And you're like, dude, trust the person that is trying to actually help you, not the person that is offering you money and putting what you've worked for, you know, at risk, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, you know, for, for a short-term game uh, or gain. Uh, no, there, there are those in this industry that, that don't do things the right way. Um, and I think that was a, a hurdle and an obstacle for me early on that, you know, not being uh, emotionally, because I, I, I lead, you know, if you're my guy, Mike, you're my guy, right? I'm going to do everything for you that I can. And and I approach this, this business in that same way. And and when you lose, right, when you do everything right by a kid and, you know, he fires you for reasons that are not, you know, that have nothing to do with your ability or your aptitude, just like, hey, he saw a nice shinier object out there, uh, oftentimes money, and they, they go for that. It hurts, right? And uh, I learned to have thick skin. Uh, I learned that there's nothing that anyone can do to me in this business that's going to change my approach. And, and the reason why I got into it, which is to educate uh, and, and, and teach athletes to um, be financially literate and savvy um, so that they can make a greater impact, A, in their community, and B, uh, to their family uh, as a whole, because then it just helps to uh, influence so many other people, because so many, you know, young people in this country are influenced by, you know, their, their sports stars, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that they grew up looking up to. How many people in our generation, Mike, have been talking about the last dance this week, right? Even though Jordan wasn't that warm and fuzzy character, guess what? Every single person mm -hmm. wants to be like Mike, right? So that's, that's the reason why I'm in this, right? If I can have that Michael Jordan that can put out a message of positivity um, to help, you know, people help other people, and it makes the world a better place, ultimately. I completely agree, man. I think it's very important. And uh, it's, it, is, it is sad, um, you know, obviously dealing with, your, as you said, you're dealing with kids, right? You're dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, depending on what sport, you know, 22 occasionally. The fact that, you know, someone can come along, you know, some 35, 45, 50-year-old guy who's been in the business <laughs> for a while, as you said, some shiny object that you can kind of show them. Again, you're dealing with kids, you know, right? Our, our brains aren't fully developed yet. There's like a lot of things that are wrong in that situation. And as you said, you try and help them, you know, try and show them. And, you know, if they can't see it, they can't see it. There's only so much you can do. How long did it take for you, I guess, to 
learn all of this about the industry? Was there one that just kind of happened very quickly and you're like, I am in for a ride or did it, did they kind of ease you? They, you know, the colloquial, they like ease you into the industry before they really, you know, smacked you over the head with something. No, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning. Right. And I think those that have been doing it for 10, 15 years, you know, uh, they're also still learning because in human nature, I can never predict what people are going to do. I don't care what anyone says. You can read as many books about human psychology and, and sociology, but you can't predict how someone's going to react when put in a certain situation. Um, for me, uh, without really getting you know, into any specifics or, or, or dropping any names, it happened early, early, early on where um, just thinking about recruiting from how to go about it and, and how, and I, I looked at it like, you know, when I was going through this process, albeit at a much smaller scale, um, what would have been the things that are important to me? Who, who were the decision makers that were important in my life? Who should I, as a potential agent representation or manager, who should I go after in terms of building a relationship, uh, actual meaningful relationship, impactful relationship to show that I'm here for the right reasons? You know, is it dad? Is it the mom? Is it the player themselves? That's the first place I think you'll learn it. Right, because there may be one person in that circle. It could be all three in some mm -hmm. situations that is actually legitimate and in it for the right reasons. But almost unequivocally, there is someone attached to these kids—basketball, football, baseball, whatever—that does not have their best interests at heart. And unfortunately, there are times when that person is the decision maker, um, and you can see that right away um, because there will be people that say, "Hey, you want to meet Joe Schmo, football player?" I need X, Y, and Z in my account right now. And those are the conversations that I just say, you know what? He's not the right type of kid for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go after him, right? I'm, I'm not going to – I have to answer to a higher ethical standard. I'm not, yeah. you know, just an agent. I'm an attorney that has to answer to, to, to the board of ethics, right? Uh, in addition to my actual, you know, value system that I have got to, you know, be able to sleep, sleep well with every night. So you find out pretty much right away. And you may not find out if you're dealing with some of the kids on the fringes, you know, there are positional stereotypes, you know, so, so far the offensive linemen that I deal with, those kids are all A+. plus. That seems to be, right. you know, kind of a trend um, when you're dealing with kids. But there are kids that are on the fringes that all have the same, mm -hmm. same kind of situation. And I don't think it comes from scarcity or, you know, it has nothing to do with, you know, money or, or demographics. Some of these kids actually come from great backgrounds. Right. But it, it just has to do with greed. Uh, and it's not necessarily the actual athletes themselves. It's, it's the adults that latch themselves to these children that try to manipulate them for their own personal gains. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. I mean, again, dealing with kids, stuff like that's going to happen. You know, as you said, maybe there are a couple of decision makers, maybe there's one specific one. And, you know, and sometimes that person does uh, take a hold, which is unfortunate. And so let's, um, you know, I definitely want to talk a little bit about the NFL draft that's coming up. This episode should be released tomorrow which is one day before the first round so right before the the the, uh, the weekend I mean all we've had to look forward to the last couple months is the last dance and the draft in my opinion so uh, <laughs> we got the first two episodes of the last dance so gonna be getting a couple more episodes in the next few weeks as it goes but the draft I'm so excited I'm a huge draft junkie I watch it all we love it all we're actually gonna have a live show here for Win Daily which is gonna be a lot of fun but tell us a little bit about um you know, I guess you know, how long you've been doing this whole draft process. I mean, this one's going to be really weird, so we can talk about yeah. specifics. And then some of the, the, uh, the, the athletes that you've been able to help through this process and in, into the league further. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the process has been going since, since January. Um, you know, for some of the guys, uh, you know, mid-December, um, from, from everything from pre-draft training uh, to some of this pre-draft marketing to, you know, getting the guys into the, the all-star games, right? You got, mm -hmm. you got your big three, the, the senior bowl, East West shrine, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, but we've been, we've been at it since, since January. And I think, um, unfortunately for, for most of my players, there was only one guy, uh, that had his pro day, um, because, you know, right in early March is when, uh, things really started to shut down. And it just so, it just so happened that the kid was lucky. His school had a really early pro day. It's a, a guard from the university of Buffalo, Paul Nosworthy. He had his pro day on March 11th. And even on March 11th, um, where I think the following week is when, you know, New York really decided to shut down. Even on March 11th, they only had about 12 teams at the Pro Day for University of Buffalo. Right? University of Buffalo is not Alabama, but guess what? If you look at NFL rosters, they've got a bunch of guys in the league. You know, that's not a school that gets 12 guys at a Pro Day. I mean, 12 teams. That's the school that usually has 32 teams. Um, so you can start to see the effects of this unique world that we're in. Even though this kid had his Pro Day, you know, it was less attended than it would have been in different climates. So for me throughout this process, it's been a lot of this, Mike, it's been a lot of zoom calls, you know, with the guys and their families. Hey, this is, this is what I've been hearing. Uh, Cause I, I'm big on face to face. And, you know, even though, um, you know, I represent guys that are from other States, I start at home, you know, a lot of kids that I want to represent, guess what? The kid I just mentioned, Paul Nosworthy, he grew up four houses away from where I grew up. Right. That's awesome. Literally went to the neighboring high school. So, you know, those are the people that I really, really want to represent. Cause like, I know, you know, we were joking earlier. Uh, he got a call from a team. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the team. They said, we really like you cause you're Buffalo tough. And I, I texted him. I said, nah, man, you learned that toughness at Coast Neck Park. He's dying laughing. Right. Cause we both, we share yeah. that in common. So throughout this process, it's really important for me to you know speak to them face to face, answer all of the questions. Right. Uh, cause for most of these families, almost all of them, it's their first time going through anything remotely like this. No one knows what to expect. You know, no one knows to expect what to expect in a normal draft year, but then in this situation, there's no one that has an answer key, right? There were, there was speculation early on that the draft wouldn't even happen this week, right? And whether or not it should be happening this week is a different discussion, but it is. So how do we optimize our guys in this situation? We have zero guys getting invitations to the combine this year. Uh, I think two or three of them probably should have gotten invitations. They were on the cusp. Uh, but certainly guys that have had that had scheduled uh, workouts and visits with teams that were all canceled. So now what do we do? It's all about relationships, right? These scouts and GMs and personnel guys, they didn't start recruiting these kids in January. They've been recruiting them over years, right? Some of these kids since high school, these grades that you get when you're in high school, that follows you throughout college. You know, the PFF grade you get, you know, every game in college that follows you. So their scouting departments are compiling these profiles for these players that are exhausted so I'm not going to be you know a silver tongue lawyer that's going to be able to call it the Jets and say hey draft my guy because of x y and z that's not realistic you know mm -hmm. any agent that's telling kids that is, is really just unfortunately blowing smoke uh, up there you know what um, what you need to do in a situation is be honest be honest with your guys say uh, I've heard from the, these seven teams uh, these are the teams that are showing the most interest with you uh, I'm, I've also compiled a list of these other five teams that have positional need where you'd be a natural fit. And that's what we're going to target. I can't cold call 32 teams because I lose credibility, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so th that's one thing I do. Um, every time I speak to a team about one guy, I say, you know, what are your other needs? And if it's appropriate, I'll bring up another guy. Mm -hmm. And if I'm speaking to a team about player one, I'd ask, is there anything else that you need to see from him? Any questions that you have that I can answer, whether it's medical records, I'm big on, being ready, so you got to get ready, right? Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. teams are going to call and want players' medical records, I'm not going to have to deal with their universities to get them. That's one thing I do right away. So I have the medical records. 
I'll send him right away. Uh, if they need him on film, I've got one kid that's a linebacker, University of Cincinnati, Brian Wright, um, who'll probably come into play on on day three. Uh, teams have said he's a he's a converted DN to linebacker, uh, tackle machine. Um, I think was first or second in his conference in tackles on a team that was top 25 in the country. But because he's a bigger linebacker, one of the uh, one of the concerns is can he cover tight ends? Um, and it's it's all about value in the NFL, mm-hmm. right? What can you bring to a team? And being a two-down Mike and then having to come up the field on third down because you can't cover is a lot less valuable than somebody that can either slide to the edge and then rush the quarterback on that end. So I got some of that feedback from teams. So what did we do? We compiled a video of Brian uh, showing, you know, some defensive end drills in addition to all the film he has from Cincinnati playing linebacker. Um, so that way – every weakness we try to turn into a strength that, that's mm-hmm. where you can make a difference not calling a guy and saying, hey you know my kid is so awesome uh this is why you should draft him mm-hmm. exactly as you said like they've been paying attention to these guys for a while they know exactly who they are in some capacity they've seen something on them so as you said i like the way you said it uh, you know you're not a silver tongue lawyer that's coming in here that's saying you know i have a relationship with the jets so that means i can make you them draft you that's not how it works at all everyone's job right. is up for grabs every single year they're not going to do that but I do like, again, you know, um, I don't know if you, if you did this on purpose, but you essentially brought it up again, as you said, if, if someone needs something, you're already going to have it. As you were saying before earlier, how do you make sure those white spaces are good to go? If you have conversations, you're going to reach out to them first and then figure out how we can do this. You're reaching out to these teams, you're doing your due diligence, and you're always asking, you know, how else can I help? What else can I do? And I really like that. And the fact that you understand the landscape of the NFL, you understand the landscape of your players and, and the realistic opportunities that they have, but you're still doing above and beyond. So that if there is that opportunity for them to slide a little bit closer to, you know, where, where you'd like to see them drafted, of course, more money for them, a couple extra bucks for you. And now everybody's even that much happier because you were prepared and you were ready. You weren't waiting for someone to ask for medical records you already got the medical records you weren't waiting for someone to say oh we don't like this it's like okay you don't like this well we have this entire tape here for you to look at so that way we can kind of prove you wrong and where do you learn these skills like this is something that not not everybody does this right like if everyone did it it'd be really easy where did you learn all these skills and and, you know having these this um these opportunities always available yeah i think the parallel is uh it's easy. I'm a, I'm a trial attorney at heart. Um, one of the best ways to convince people of anything is to have the actual empirical data and evidence to back it up, right? So at trial, when I was a prosecutor, we had all these discovery requirements. So as a prosecutor, it's important if you've got this much evidence that the other side have this much evidence, you give it to them so they know exactly what they're going against. And it's, it's a rule, right? That you have to comply with the discovery rules. So then when I became a, a defense attorney and even, you know, at, later in my uh, legal career, as you know, I started doing personal injury plaintiff's work, um, say, for example, a car accident case, something very, very simple, you get into a car accident, rear end, somebody's super injured. Uh, I think they're, you know, they should be getting a hundred thousand dollars. Well, no insurance company is going to give me a hundred thousand dollars because I say this guy got hurt. I need the medical records that show he's got a fracture in his spine here. I got pictures of the actual accident. So for me, it was a very natural skill set that I learned from literally convincing folks on the legal side that I applied directly back to my sports agency and actually everything else that I do. When I'm at home, I'm talking to my fiance. It's like, we need to do X, Y, and Z. And this is why, because of X, Y, and Z and have the data already there. So for me, I've always been about showing my work in terms of, you know, arguments or convincing anybody of anything. 
And that's, that's the way you got to do it. Um, you know, again, bringing up David Meltzer, uh, we all love him. We all know him quantify everything, right? As long as you have the numbers and you can legitimately back it up. I mean, what else could you ask for? And so I guess what are, what are some of your favorite and least favorite things about being a sports agent? Cause I'm sure there's some on uh, both sides. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the, my favorite thing, uh, and, and I'm early in, in, in this, 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 this part of my career is watching the actual growth um, of, you know, these guys, like you said, their minds are so, so young and they're like sponges, a kid, you know, one year to the next, you know, you teach them about certain things, you tell them books to read and, and you watch them become men, you know, in a, a two year span or a six mm-hmm. month span, they're growing so much. Um, knowing that you've had a positive impact, I think is, is the best feeling for me. I've always had uh, a soft spot, you know, eldest of three boys, two younger brothers, uh, always kind of played that big brother mentor role. Um, so it's something that I'm passionate about. So, so knowing I've made a positive impact on these guys is, is really important. The thing that I like or dislike, dislike the most is for sure, um, the manipulation uh, in this business that some some families do, um, mm-hmm. the dishonesty uh, that you find uh, with certain individuals that tell you one thing and then go and tell the other person the same exact thing or something completely different um, mm-hmm. in order to you know manipulate the situation to make it what they perceive is the most optimal for the, themselves. Uh, those are things I dislike, but ultimately um, it goes back to same thing as my legal career, um, same thing with everything I do. Uh, I love doing things that I can help make a positive impact on people. And it sounds like the pros significantly outweigh the cons there. Um, or if they didn't, you wouldn't be here that much longer. And the, the last question for me, man, is, I mean, what is it like, uh, you, you kind of alluded to it, but I definitely, you know, kind of want to hear it again a little bit deeper. What is it like knowing you're having such a huge impact in these young men's lives and really knowing that, you know, while whether they're in the league for, you know, one training camp or whether in their league for three years, you had, you've had the opportunity to really make a gigantic impact on who they will be as men and as human beings moving forward. It's a feeling like none other. I'll give a perfect example. I don't, you know, one thing is when you vibrate honest, right. And do things the right way. There's nothing to hide. Uh, I had a kid last year, last year's draft, Stanley Barnwell out of New Mexico. Kid didn't get drafted. Um, Got him into two camps, really, really mature kid. Um, great kid, uh, got him in camp with the Ravens and, and, and the Dolphins. Um, he shared with me that he felt like politics may have played a role in while, you know, why he didn't get, didn't get a chance to stay on. Um, had conversations with him throughout the process about maybe going to CFL or uh, what he should be doing otherwise. But really, from the beginning of our relationship, and I think one of the reasons why he chose me as an agent and why we connected, I was concerned with what he wanted to do in life, um, who he was as a person, what his background was, you know, going down, not just recruiting after I got the kid to, to spend time with his family to really learn about him. And I, and I learned that, you know, for him, uh, he was, you know, one of a few people in his neighborhood to, to graduate college. Um, and it was really important for him to be somebody. So after the whole football route was over uh, early on, and, you know, I think he probably maybe kicked the tires on it a little prematurely or prematurely than most would have given, you know, where he was athletically, you know, being this close. Um, He decided that he went to join a fire academy. And I think I had a pretty good role in that um, from just talking to him about, you know, what he wanted to do long-term. And we identified that really early. But when we had the conversations, it was about, you know, when I'm done playing 10 years from now, I want to be a firefighter, Mm -hmm. right? Because growing up, 
you know, these are people I felt that were really, you know, heroes, you know, in my community. And this is what this kid shared with me. Um, so after two camps, you know, last year's draft was in April. Uh, by October, this kid is taking, sitting for the test, and he, he, he's a fireman now already a year later. He's playing college football last year. He's a firefighter now, and he's happy, right? And we had opportunities to share a couple teams when the XFL called, and he said, you know what? I'm good, right? I had a great college career. I'm able to be proud and make my parents proud every day. I graduated college. I'm a firefighter. Like, that to me, and this is something that happened over the last 18 months, mm-hmm. right, that showed the maturity of this kid that had this football dream. Uh, and through helping him out, you know, not, not turning my back on him, you know, being honest about expectations, which is really important about where he may fall and not fall in draft, we knew it was going to be a long shot. But helping him figure out what it was and position himself uh, after football, and it happened a lot earlier than we would have thought, that to me is a win. Uh, it feels amazing. Uh, every time I speak to the kid, he's smiling ear to ear. Every time I speak to his parents, this smiling ear to ear because he's really he's, he's a great kid. He's doing great things, and that's all. Ninety nine percent attributable to him and his family. I, I like to think I had a in, like minuscule role in that, but it makes me feel good, right? Because I know he's going to go out and impact another thousand kids mm-hmm. to, to 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 do other great things. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, you've had an impact on his life, and now he is, as you said, he's happy. He's being he's doing what he wanted to do in ten years. Well, now he's doing it now, and he's absolutely ecstatic. And you know, football was fun. It was great. It led him here, and that's all that matters. And you were able to help him in that. And I think that's an incredible way to end this. David Moreno, partner at the law office of Spar and Bernstein, executive vice president at Shaw Sports Group, co-founder of Media Abundance. Really appreciate your time today, man. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you.